Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova and Tahi at JP Morgan Global Commodities Research. Today, we would like to discuss the earlier-than-expected reopening of China and its implications for global oil market and the struggles to maintain a bullish narrative for global natural gas prices where supply is plentiful and winter weather doesn't perform. Uh, I'm joined today by Parsley Ong, Head of Asia Energy and Chemicals uh, Equities Research. Uh, she's joining us from Singapore and on the commodity side, Shikha Chaturvedi, Head of Global Natural Gas Research. We will start with oil and we'll start with China. Um, so when we sit today, so two months ago, very few people believed that China would abandon its COVID restrictions as quickly as it did. Uh, so the reopening is proceeding sooner by about one quarter and more rapidly than we expected in, in November when we were putting our annual outlook. So this opens up the possibility that China is poised for a strong economic growth that can pick up steam in February after the end of the Chinese Lunar New Year holiday, which actually starts, starts this weekend. Um, while many investors have chosen to play this reopening through metals, mostly because China has 50 plus percent market share in the metals demand compared to you know, 13, 15 percent uh, market share in oil, we believe that oil is positioned to benefit the most, uh, mostly because COVID restrictions didn't have an outsized negative impact on metals demand, uh, but uh, travel both inside and outside of China was uh, severely depressed, uh, leading to the first annual contraction in oil demand in China on record. Uh, just to give an example, so that people understand the scale of what we're talking about, through the first 11 months of 2022, the number of passengers carried uh, on all modes of transportation was down 68% in China compared to the same period in 2019. Um, so, for example, highway road demand was down a massive 72%, air travel was down 62%. So we believe that as restrictions on movement are lifted, uh, travel demand will recover, and with that will come uh, come the recovery in the oil demand. So what are the numbers? So the numbers we're looking at that uh, Chinese oil consumption will rebound uh, about 5%, to be precise by uh, KBD, it's about 770 KBD. Uh, the base is very low in 2022. Our previous assumption was about 540 KBD growth, so that, that was as last November. So importantly, what we need to keep in mind, this is average for the year. So for example, by April, we see Chinese demand recovering uh, 1.8 million barrels per day above last year's level, finishing the year uh, up 1.1 above. So stronger recovery will be built on higher demand for gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, uh, asphalt, uh, while somewhat tapered by drag from weaker demand for export-oriented petrochemical products. Majority of that will definitely come from uh, from jet fuel. Uh, that that's the biggest chunk of the growth. So today, Chinese uh, Chinese flights at about ninety percent uh, of two thousand nineteen levels. So just for comparison, they were at forty two in December, thirty percent in November. So we our forecast actually assumes that the Chinese total flights will average ninety eight percent of two thousand nineteen levels this year. Uh, also, we have a very strong growth coming in gasoline. Uh, we believe that the road traffic will fully normalize to 2021 levels. 21 was already above 2019 levels, but it will, does not outpace that year. Uh, we project uh, good demand growth in diesel. So we see recovery in the property sector, mostly because the um, Ch Chinese uh, mortgage rates today are at historic lows of 4%. We do believe that the buyers should react to that. Uh, so construction should recover as well. But at the same time, there will be less stimulus coming through the infrastructure set. So one of that will offset another. So parsley, um, 
I would like to bring you into this discussion. So very strong growth, what we're envisioning for this year on the demand side. So what needs to happen to accommodate this growth? Um, so the question is, will China be importing more oil or will they be exporting less? Are they going to draw down inventories? Uh, where do you see the refinery runs? And, uh, you know, the question that I'm always asking myself is that, will Chinese authorities prioritize domestic availability of, you know, fuels like gasoline, uh, diesel, uh, jet fuel, so very similar the way they did actually in the first half of last year. Thanks, Natasha. And you're absolutely right. When we come, when it comes to the refined products market, as uh, China reopens, uh, we do think that authorities are likely to prioritize domestic availability of refined products first. So jet fuel, diesel, gasoline, um, domestic availability would uh, take top priority. And in terms of whether China has enough to meet its own demand, uh, if we assume that Chinese refiners run at a 10-year high utilization rate of 88% in 2023, uh, we estimate that this implies a 1 million barrel per day year-on-year increase in refinery throughput. And this, is, and this might be a little lower than what some um, gross capacity numbers out there might imply, but uh, that is due to the fact that over the last two years, we have seen almost 600,000 barrels per day of teapot capacity shut down. So some of this comes from scheduled shutdowns like uh, Haike, Yongxing, Kalida chemicals. So these are all... Uh, these. CDU capacities were permanently shut in fourth quarter 2022 as part of the scheduled upgrades and restructuring being done in Shandong, but there were also additional closures due to Beijing's crackdown on the misuse of crude oil import quotas in 2021. And, and Natasha, as you recall, the, the government also introduced um, consumption taxes on light cycle oil and mixed aromatics um, in 2021. Uh, so Overall, the uh, re regulation and clampdown on uh, illegal teapot capacities remains uh, quite strict. Uh, recently, there was an unfortunate accident at one of the ref local uh, teapot refineries, uh, which had a few um, uh, fatalities. And therefore, we do believe that government uh, scrutiny on, on safety, environment, and of course, domestic self-sufficiency uh, would remain uh, quite in focus for this year. And as such, our supply-demand balance, um, based on our uh, forecast, we do believe that Chinese exports of refined oil products uh, might average uh, close to 800,000 barrels per day in 2023. So uh, this is, for context, this would be slightly above the uh, 700,000 barrel per day uh, export average in 2022 and uh, somewhat lower than the uh, November-December export rate of 1.4 million barrels per day. And um, of course, generally, uh, this would also be contingent on oil product uh, demand growth. And uh, as you mentioned, Natasha, we think that the um, risk uh, to oil demand would be biased to the upside as China has materially moved forward or accelerated its pace of reopening. Mm -hmm. uh, th thank you, Parsley. Thank you so much for your insight. Um, so uh, last, last week in our podcast, we were looking at, uh, at, at the weather. Yeah, so pretty much that's what we examined and its impact on, on the commodities markets. Um, so, Shika, moving to you, um, 
you know, clearly your market is the one that is impacted the most. Yes, when we looked at the numbers, 40% of all the demand takes place in those three months, uh, December through February. Um, So some of the revisions that you've made this week, if you can walk us through, uh, you know, let's start with the U.S. market. Yeah, thank you, Natasha. So it's been a very significant um, move in weather, as you guys pointed out last week in your podcast. Um, To kind of uh, sum it up in the U.S. market, uh, when we came back from the holidays and at the start of the year, actually our end October storage trajectory was pointing towards 4.3 TCF. And just to give our kind of listeners an idea, above 4 TCF is really indicative of storage congestion. So 4.3 is wildly above that. And it was um, it, it was a struggle to kind of figure out how the market was going to solve this over imbalance um, uh, of supply uh, in, in, in during summer 23. Um, then, you know, last week in the latter half of the, of the week, we kind of got um, a period of colder weather that started to creep back in. Um, and it, it actually pushed down our end October storage trajectory to 4.13 TCF as of uh, officially as of today. But what I can say though, is that some of that colder weather is starting to short circuit. So um, essentially we have a problem in summer 23 that we're gonna have to solve. And the question becomes, how do we solve that? Um, on the demand side of the balance, I, I don't think that there's that much more demand that we can pick up with lower prices from coal to gas switching. Uh, we've already stressed industrial demand as far as we, we think we can at this point in time in LNG exports aren't really growing significantly until 2025. So much of the heavy lifting to solve the the supply imbalance is essentially going to have to come from the supply side. So the question is, does it need to be from production shut-ins, which are immediate, or does it need to be from a production slowdown and drilling activity to essentially slow production growth? And um, I would say that if you're pointing towards the 4.13 that we officially have right now um, for our end October storage trajectory, it suggests that production shut-ins aren't necessary at this point in time and that production slowdown and drilling um, and production growth slowdown is probably the more a keen way of kind of solving the problem. However, if this short circuit in weather really is true, we do see a mild February, or for example, if Freeport LNG, which we right now have penned in for ramping back up in February, doesn't come on in time, um, I would say that production shut-ins are likely the most apt way of dealing with the problem. And so the way I would tell our market participants is if, you know, if our end March storage trajectory shifts back towards two TCF um, exiting, you know, this season, then we should think about production shut-ins and price will have to go significantly lower. In the meantime, what I'll say though, is right now our Cal 23 price forecast has been revised lower to 356 per MMBTU. Um, and this is driven by 2Q weakness in price that we see at around $3 per MMBTU. But again, that 2Q23 price is very much at risk of going lower if we do in fact need production shut-ins. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Shika. So it, it does appear that a lot is uh, a lot is going on, and it's it's still warm. Yes, it's uh, you know yes. last night we had yes a thunderstorm in in New York in winter. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see how that plays out. Um, so Europe is it any easier? Do the balances look better in Europe? 
Well, so I, I would have to say that, so Europe had a very warm start to winter and we saw storage congestion manifest because of that and prices dipped down very low. But December did come in cold and it, it did some work. It was about a one standard deviation colder weather event in December. So it started to really help to draw down some of that storage. The issue is that January also looks warm. Now at the start of January, it looked like it was going to be greater than a one standard deviation warming weather event. Um, up till the early part of this week, it still looked like we were going to have probably somewhere on the order of 70 HDDs of demand loss uh, in January, which would have undone a lot of the work that December did to draw down storage. But actually, things are starting to look colder on the back half of uh uh, of Europe right now. So we're going to have to watch that market very closely because no matter what happens, and even though that they have this huge storage cushion that they've developed with a weak start to the winter period, um, it still sits on a knife's edge because it really is relying on its supply from the LNG market. As of today, we have Northwest European storage exiting at 56% full, and that's about nearly 30 percentage points higher than the five-year average and 13 percentage points higher than our previous estimates. If we do get this colder sustained weather, that number will start to drop. Um, but I think for the time being, we are set in a lower price regime for right now, given the cushion that's in place. We'll have to watch weather, but we do believe in a contangle-like structure that will exist in um, the, the space. And I do think that we'll continue to see higher prices, particularly in 3Q23, because we're gonna have to compete, Europe is going to have to compete for LNG cargoes, especially with the China reopening as you guys just covered. So we really are gonna have to see how much of um, China's impact in the LNG market, which was very absent in 22, is going to drive the price formation in 23. So I do see an upward trajectory for price. The question is, what will winter weather do right now to set the, the right kind of tone going forward and where the contango needs to start from? Thank you, Sheikha. A lot of uh, a lot of things are happening in your market, in both of your markets, yes, with major pieces moving. So we'll watch how how it plays out. Um, so thank you, Parsley and Shika, for joining me today. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. Uh, happy Lunar New Year to our listeners in Asia, and we look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on January 20th, 2023.